All right, you ready to do a show? Yes. Absolutely. Push that button. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church. I'm PRD, your co-host, sitting across the table from Stephanie Schaefer. What's up, guys? Super sport in the house. And then down here at the head of the table, we got Pastor Matt Brown drinking your fancy water, dude. The PMB. Today I was called Young Gangster... What? Boy? What? White rapper. Boy. No, yeah. not rapper. Young yeah. White Gangster Boy? Young yeah, White Gangster Boy. Yes. yes. All uh, of those adjectives were used yes. to describe you today. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a good. He wasn't meaning to be insulting. He was yeah. just commenting he was on how young I look. the wisdom that yes, came from this came young, young face. That, that yeah. feels good, though, right? Yeah. You are too much of a pretty boy for me to like want to call you a gangster. Yeah, I've never like I've been called like Gap before, <laughs> <laughs> but not gangster. <laughs> you know, that's the first time for everything. Uh, I do wear a Volcom. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I wear Vans. Disqualified. Yeah, yeah. that's not Dis- helping you. You might not be a gangster if. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You are anything like Matt Brown. Well, I think you're cool. Well, guys, we are really excited. We are continuing our sponsorship here with our friends from Gateway Seminary. So if you... The Gateway Seminary. Yeah, we're hoping to get some uh, jingle rights. Oh, is that good for the jingle? Maybe I should wrap it since I'm a gangster. (laughs) (laughs) So Gateway is actually one of the 10 largest seminaries in the U.S., guys. I'm discovering new things about this Wow, I didn't know that. They're based here in Ontario, California, and they also have campuses located near Denver, Phoenix, Portland, and San Francisco. I know we have lots of listeners from all over the place. So if you're interested in getting connected with them, they may have a campus near you. They also have a lot of online programs. If you're interested in learning more about Gateway Seminary and learning more about what it could be to teach the Bible, check that out at www.gs.edu. Really, really good. That's where I went to school. GS.edu is uh that's nice. It's only two two letters. Yeah. Uh, before the dot and the edu. So real short, easy, it's memorable. Good yeah. job. Their new campus that they bought in Ontario is beautiful. So right as you go into like if you're gonna fly southwest, that first terminal okay. in Ontario. So if you look right, the biggest building to your right says Gateway Seminary. That's it. Yeah. Boom. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for that sponsorship. You ready to uh, get into the show? Answer some I am questions. Ready. All right. Uh we got a we got a gangster in the house yes. ready for some follow up <laughs> questions, aka that fu. My, gang- my gangster name's PMB. <laughs> That's a good one. All right, let's follow up from the last couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about having kids, infertility. Couple follow up questions that came in. This first one came in and says, "In last week's sermon, you talked about Abraham and Sarah's unyielding desire to have children. As a wife who's not been mar- who has been married for seven years, I desperately want children, and my husband does not." It's created much tension in our marriage. My question is, what happens when you have a deep-rooted desire that is not shared by your spouse? How do you answer someone when they say, why would I want to bring a child into this world? Wow. Biblically. Okay, so all the singles out there, pay attention. These are some of the things that you need to discuss before you get married, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than like, we like going to the movies, walking on the beach, and hey, we both like long vacations. You actually need to discuss things like children, life, marriage, work, living, like real things. Because remember, dating is face-to-face, marriage is shoulder to shoulder. And so it's getting the work of life done. So uh, here's what I would say is- Sleep, Sleeping is back to back, by the way, because yeah, yeah. I've got, I got really bad breath in the middle of the night, <laughs> yes. got to face away. I, I don't know that, I've never slept with you, so. Well, I, I woke but up- I'm gonna believe that, I woke, believe up, that? I I woke believe up early this morning about four o'clock and I noticed that Lindy, and I was facing her side of the bed and I noticed she was not using any pillows. She just built a wall in between <laughs> she and I. Okay, also, sorry, you're gonna come to a question. One more theory I had this morning when I woke up at four in the morning and I did get up and go to the restroom. This is my working theory. 
the first time you wake up kind of in the pre-dawn hours and actually get up to go to the bathroom instead of staying in bed, like you can just go back to sleep. I think the first time you actually do, boom, that right there is the official halfway point of your life. Hmm. The rest of it's... Yeah, that might be. That was my work. I thought about that about four or five this morning. Okay. (laughs) All right, back to you. Back to the show. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that ADD moment brought to you by Justin Pardee. Just some thoughts. Um, Well, here's the thing is, you you know, how do you compromise between zero and one? You, You don't. So that's the problem. So what I would just say is pray that God changes his heart. But here's the thing. If he genuinely doesn't want kids, you don't want a dad in the life of a child who's unwanted. That would be terrible Mm. and miserable. Mm. And again, let me say this to all potential parents. Being a parent is not about you, it's about the child. It's what's what's best for the child, what's best for the kid. And in our culture, um, we really get that confused. We talk about people's wants, desires, hopes, dreams, and so we think everybody should be able to adopt a kid, have a kid. It's about what is in the best interest of the child. And so if you are if you want to be a mother, a mother would pray, God, change the heart of my husband. Now, having said this, I think he's got a great point. It's a terrible time to bring a kid into the world. I can't imagine what kids who are not yet born are gonna be born into. My heart, my heart breaks for my kids and what they're, uh, you know, literally going to face and what they're going to deal with. Somebody slid me um, the sexual education uh, curriculum for all state schools and what's happening to our children, what they're being exposed for, exposed to, where they're taught gender is in your brain, not in your DNA. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And it's just it's just terrible. And I mean, I, I was literally dumbfounded with the, what the curriculum teaches uh, children and what's acceptable and not acceptable. And some of it wasn't even medically accurate or scientifically accurate because it's so one-way biased. So that, that breaks my heart. Now, having said that, we, you know, uh, children have been raised in evil environments for all of human history. So God can still do that. You just need to be, make sure that you're both committed, you're both into this, because it really takes a community to raise a kid. So I would just pray for your husband. And the reality is, again, being married is about hearing the heart of your spouse, loving and trying to connect there. The issue is, you know, with a child, you really need to be on the same page. Just like, you know, we're having our momentum offering this weekend. I'm not going to give a number that my wife doesn't agree with. Mm-hmm. We've got to be on the same page when we move forward for God. And so the reality is if we're not on the same number, what we're gonna do is we're going to, we're going to gravitate towards the lower number so that you know, the one person um, feels honored in that process. And so I just don't make my wife do things. You know, the Bible says love does not demand its own way. So you can't make your husband give you a child. You just can't do that. You need to say, here's my desires. I love you, you love me. Here's the desire of my heart. And you know, who knows? And just so you know, people change, people change. And so, mm-hmm. you know, God might change his heart. But just in general, what I would say is, you know, part of being married is submitting to each other for the benefit of the marriage. And so, um, you know, there's a book called His Needs, Her Needs. And the problem with that is it assumes that your partner's responsibility is to care for your needs. And as long as you're kind of stuck in that mentality, I think things are gonna be really difficult. I think that book's better read when you're both submitted to the marriage and say, we're both gonna love each other and try to be better at meeting each other's needs. But um, man, it can get really, really wonky because I think it's really easy to point out all the ways that your spouse uh, is not meeting your needs rather than focusing on and being thankful for the things that they do mm-hmm. uh, do in your life. So um, just know all married people, you're, 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 going, you're not going to agree on everything. You're not going to. And um, what I've tried to do in my relationship with my wife, and I just had this conversation with my dad, uh, my dad still struggles with decisions like what colors the couch, the carpet, the water. And I'm like, why do you care? Like, I mean, I just, when we first got married, I really cared about those things. And, and I just had to let it go. You know, you design the house, you, you, you pick it. That's your, that's your heart. 
man, go for it. Just remember you're married to a man and not a woman and don't des- you know, decorate our house like it's two women who live here. Um, and she's, I think she's honored me in that. She's decorated the house like she's married to a man, which is, is good. Um, and and it, it reflects us, but I entrust her with that. So any decision that I can just turn over to Tammy, man, I do that mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's a model of leadership. You know, if I have to make every decision in everybody's life, um, you know, controlling a person is not leading a person. Uh, you know, you lead people who want want to follow you. And so I've tried to relinqu- relinquish control and gain my wife's trust. And once I've gotten her trust, man, she trusts me um, and she follows me and she follows my lead. And I think that's been a really good process. But man, if there's any way that I can agree with what my wife wants to do or, what, or what's gonna make her happy and it's not sin, man, I'm, I'm for it. And I, and I try to support that. You know, the saying is happy wife, happy life, but that goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And so- um, it's my pleasure to meet my wife's needs and to bless her life and make her feel happy. Um, she shared with me this week that I said something at small group that hurt her feelings. And I was devastated by that. Um, where I think early on when we were married, I would have been defensive, argumentative, and that's not what I did. But the reality is I didn't want to hurt her feelings and I did, so I need to apologize. And again, that builds trust and it helps you to connect. And And she just said, I forgive you. And I was like, okay, thanks. And we move forward. So I just would just... Just look for opportunities to submit one to another. So when you think of the text on marriage, you know, everybody points out the verse that says, wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. The verse prior to that in Ephesians is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mm -hmm. So what we need to all practice as male and females in the context of marriage is the practice of submission. Okay, I don't agree. And that's, by the way, love doesn't demand its own way. That's submission. I don't agree with you, but I'm gonna do this. As long as it's not immoral or unbiblical, I would submit to it. And a lot of us confuse moral, biblical with personal, and they're not the same thing. So my personal preferences are not biblical and they're not moral. That's just my preferences. And I've had to learn to lay those down to her because she makes an awesome home and she pushes me in directions that ultimately have made our family better. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just better at family than than I am. And so mm-hmm. that's been really, really good for us. I'm better at the big picture, you know, visionary, stuff like that. But, you know, visionaries, you know, think about like Elon Musk. He's like a terrible dad. So it's great. He's going to transform, you know, our future, but he's going to wreck his kids' lives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as a visionary person, I need to be grounded in life with my wife so that we can be a good person. So I just would look for opportunities to submit to each other. And if you get overly consumed with how your spouse is not meeting your own wants, you're ultimately on the path for divorce. That's mm-hmm. just the reality. The only way off the divorce train is to eventually say, "Okay, I'm not going to get everything I want in this marriage." And I, you know, I, I wish that was a part of everybody's vows. Like, I understand I'm not gonna get everything I want out of this marriage. And so do I, but we're gonna love each other and serve God, serve Christ, try to understand each other and try to work through it when we don't agree. And and my wife and I, we don't agree on a lot of things, but at the end of the day, I wanna be married. I wanna follow God. I wanna trust God. And so we're gonna do that. You know, I was done with two kids. Um, I was done. We had two girls. I was fine. I'm not one of those guys that has to have a boy. Um, That's just not me. And she really wanted a third child. She just really, really did. And so she was persistent and eventually I said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I'm grateful that we have our son. And so God changed my heart in that situation. And I, I love my son, I adore him and I can't imagine life without him. So I'm very grateful for my wife's persistence, uh, but she didn't guilt me. She didn't pressure me. Uh, I think she just shared her heart with me and eventually I changed. Now that's not a promise that your husband will change because I don't know, mm-hmm. but, but I love my wife and so my heart changed. Mm. I did not want a puppy, and now that we have a puppy, I love the puppy and bought her cupcakes yesterday. So, similar. <laughs> All right. So on the in same, in your world, yes, yes. <laughs> I don't call the puppy my child, though. 
Yeah, thank you. That's mm-hmm. good. Okay, back to you. Um, so on the same topic, Melissa wrote in after our last episode where we were talking about infertility and some of the science involved. Uh, Melissa asked, on the last debrief, you responded to a question about infertility and the science involved as well as the consequences. Does this answer apply to birth control as well? My husband and I have been married for less than a year and are not in a place to have kids, but we are praying about this together because we don't want to do something that's wrong. Right. So not all Christians will agree with me on this. And many Christians, people that love God going to heaven, serve him, they're not going to agree with what I say. So whenever I answer these questions, there's things that I think are closed fist things. So these are the things that absolutely you must agree to be a Christian. Uh, you know, the Bible is the word of God. Jesus is the son of God. There's no other way to go to heaven but by Jesus, right? Those are things that if you don't agree, you're not a Christian. This is an open-handed issue where Christians can hold an opinion, hold an understanding of biblical uh, theology, but we can disagree on. And so what I would say is, is I think that birth control is appropriate, especially if you understand that you're not ready to have a family. Now, here's the challenge. I, I do wonder if birth control, and I don't know the medical research behind this, but uh, it seems to me that maybe some of the reasons that women are having more and more problems having kids later is because of the, some of the things they've done earlier. And so again, anytime we're messing with hormones in our bodies, anytime we're doing that, we, we don't know all that it does. So I would say that I think that it is wise for you to not have children at this point in time, and it is okay to use birth control. And I don't believe that that is anti-Christian. Now, the Catholic Church disagrees with me. Many fundamentalist Baptists, Orthodox Jews, um, and many, there might be some people at Sandals Church that disagree. We might have staff that disagree with me on this. And again, it's an open-handed issue where two Christians who love Jesus can come to different conclusions. So I think you're being wise. Um, and I think, you know, but just understand, you know, birth control made my wife not okay. Like it affected her mentally, it affected her emotionally. It did things to her that it, it just wasn't okay for us to do that. And every woman needs to figure that out for themselves because it has different effects on different people. So um, so just be prepared for that. I mean, you know, it right? It's medicine, it, it affects different people different ways. So I would say theologically, you're okay. I think it's wise. I, I think that's okay. Um, like for example, um, Tammy and I, you know, in our family planning, I've had a vasectomy. There's some Christians that believe that's absolutely of the devil and they think you should just have children, you know, and, and trust God in that process. We chose to not do that. We're in ministry. Uh, the more children I have, the more financially dependent I am on the church. And so I made that decision and three is enough for us. And I think I think it, it is enough for us. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm gonna stand before the Lord one day and he's gonna be, hold me accountable for that decision. And I, I think it was the right decision. So, um, Again, maybe that's too personal, but that's real. So everybody everybody has to decide for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, trust God, read scripture, and just know scripture doesn't speak to everything. You know, the Bible is not a science book. It just isn't. It's a guide for living. And so we have to read that guide and try to make the best decisions we can um, about what it says for our lives. You know, most people though are disobedient to what it does say. So, you know, on these areas where maybe it's a little gray, we, we have to step into that and try to figure it out. But I, I, as your pastor, you know, and I'll stand before God for the wisdom that I've given you and the suggestion that I've given you, I think you're okay to get on birth control. And I actually think that's wise. I think that's wise um, so that you're prepared and ready to bring a child into the world. I think that's a good decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to the lady who works at Kaiser and said she loves listening to the debrief when I was in a gown walking the hallway to uh, head to the room for my vasectomy. It was uh, really cool meeting you. 
<laughs> oh, nice. I uh, met yeah. a nice nurse at Riverside Community as I was in labor giving birth. Said, yeah. oh, I love you on the debrief. Yeah, went, always, I'm really glad you're a woman. It's always very awkward when I run into somebody from church and I'm like in my robe or I'm, oh, naked. Yeah. I'm disrobing. Hey, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. And something probably not, yeah, we, we the, amongst the three of us. Yeah. It's a little unique, little, little fun little, little gift. bond we share. Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you about when I went to the doctor and I was having a, um, my ears checked and the doctor was shaking before they stuck this thing in my ear? And I was like, okay, either it's your first day. Or you go to Sandals Church. I just before you stick that thing in my ear, we need to talk. And so yeah, they were like, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Can you tell? And I was like, yeah, okay, we're okay, we're all okay. Now let's let's let the probing commence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, speaking of probing, let's talk about prayer, where we yeah. probe the Lord for yes. a relationship building. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So your sermon this week when it's all about facing tough times and how important it is to pray into that. And so just from your Did own, you say faithing. Or no, facing. 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 Oh. I may have lisped a little okay, bit. Okay, okay, okay. I just facing. Yeah. Maybe I was trying to mix faith in there. I it's don't know. his transition threw me off. Okay. Yeah. Go okay. Ahead. Um facing. I would love to hear from you specifically, Pastor Matt. How have you seen prayer help you through some hard times? Oh man, absolutely. God has used prayer immensely. Now again, I feel like I say this all the time and nobody ever listens, but every prayer is answered. God says yes, no, wait. Mm -hmm. Those are the three answers that you will always hear. We assume that wait means no. That's just not the truth. And mm -hmm. so today, you know, at staff meeting, when we're, we're riding on the floors, I prayed and asked God for that building for 10 years over and over and over again. I thought it was a no. I was told it was a no. Mm -hmm. It was a wait. Not, I wasn't told by God. I was told by the pastor, but he transitioned, he changed, he sold it to us. Uh, so I was grateful for that. So I've seen God do amazing, amazing things. I've seen God heal. I've seen God answer prayer. I've seen God bring people back together. I've seen prayer do amazing, amazing things. And so when we submit ourselves to prayer, we're submitting ourselves to God and God is bigger than our problems. And that's just amazing. That doesn't mean we get everything that we want. And again, prayer, the beginning of prayer. So how does the Lord's prayer begin? Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Why would he say that? God is bigger than me. I'm not equal with God. I'm on the, not on the same footing with God. And so people, when they get mad at God, what that means is they never knew who they were praying to anyways. Mm -hmm. you, you have no idea who you're praying to. I, on the day of judgment, people will not be mad. They, they will stand in horror at the immensity and magnitude of who God is. Mm -hmm. And they will realize, oh man, you know, I mean, it's, it, that's just the way that it is. We have no idea how massive God is and how incredibly awesome he is. I mean, even the own angels, you know, in Isaiah chapter six, they don't even stare at him. They cover their own eyes in the presence of the Lord. The most holy angels cover their eyes because they can't gaze upon him. That's who he is. Mm -hmm. um, so, that, that, yes, I, I've seen prayer answered. And so here's what I would say. The more you pray, the more likely you are to have an answer to prayer. Mm -hmm. So that's the problem is people never pray or they pray once. They're like, it didn't work, so I'm giving up. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm telling you is I'm praying more mm -hmm. and I'm asking God to do more and to move in, in more powerful ways. And, um, you know, you just never know what God's gonna do. You, you just never know. Mm -hmm. um, so like this weekend, we, we don't know what God's gonna do. We're gonna get 10 million. You know, I, I hope so. I'm believing. I know we're going to get something. And whatever it is, man, it's an answer to prayer. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an answer to prayer and we're going to move forward and who knows what God's going to do. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, Becca says, I appreciate your honesty during the sermon on how you get distracted while praying. I find prayer difficult and somewhat discouraging because I get distracted by my own thoughts whenever I pray or I'm listening to someone else pray. Any tips for how to stay more focused while praying? Yeah, so what I would say is... Um, Really, you probably have ADD like I do, and I've had to work on it. And so here's the thing is, I hear people say I have ADD, and so they make that as an excuse. Look, we live in a culture that's full of excuses. That's why nobody changes. 
you've got to press through your, your challenges, right? Challenges are there to make us better. So, um, you know, I'm a little dyslexic and I struggle reading. The words, uh, the letters move around when I read. And so, right, okay, so then I can't read. I've read, I don't know how many books. I never read a book through college. I got through college without ever reading a book. I think about that. And I had to listen. The only way I got through college was by listening to the professor. And so I found a professor who loved to talk and he tested on his lectures. Guess what? Ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. Graduated. So, um, but I didn't, I didn't know that I had, you know, a form of dyslexia. And so I just struggled with that. So I went, I went to counseling. I went to therapy. I I started studying and I, I paid money to have somebody help me change. And so through that, I've, I've been able to focus. Now there's some things that I'm unable to do. I can't have a conversation with my wife while the TV's on. I can't do it. I can't sit down at dinner. My all, all of my kids, I don't know if Kennedy does this because she's she's like me, but Madison and Ethan will have music playing or the TV on and my wife is the same way while they do work. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that. Like I I that, I cannot do it. Like if you want to if if you want to torture me and get information from me, take me to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> I I literally uh I, I will never go back. Like mm-hmm. you have to force me to go into that place is if your child or your friend or loved one has ADD, don't ever go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Information overload. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just can't handle it. Uh, so that, I haven't I haven't mastered that yet. I'm not like a uh, ADD ninja yet. So <laughs> I, I studied, I prepped over. And the other thing is just practice. See, I think the thing is we assume, well, I'm not good at it, so I can't do it. Well, I'm not good at anything that I start. But over time I become mm-hmm. better at it and so, uh, you know, I'm doing an Ironman uh, December 9th with Pastor Adam Atchison, and I've forgotten how hard it is. So I'm watching him, it's his first one. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching him struggle. And, you know, we have different goals because it'll be my 10th Ironman, it's his first. So that's how prayer works. When you spend a lifetime praying, when you spend a lifetime reading your Bible, man, uh, God's good. So so what I try to do is, is uh, I try to read at somewhere between two, or three and five chapters in the Bible a day. So today I'll be in Mark 10 uh, to 15, somewhere in between there. And I don't I don't try to give myself hard cutoffs. So, because I don't have all the same amount of time every day to sit down and read God word, God's word. That doesn't uh, talk about questions that people answer. That doesn't include this show. That doesn't include my sermon prep. This is my own spiritual time in the Bible. And because of that, right, I've, I've watched the prayers that are in the Bible. There are prayers that are written in the Bible. You know, number seven, that's a great, uh, place to to learn the prayer of uh, Aaron as he gives the priestly, priestly blessing. You can, in Luke 11, you see the Lord's prayer. Um, you see the apostle Paul's prayers. You see Jesus pray for us. And, and you begin to learn, okay, this is what a prayer looks like. This is what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. Again, let me say this, make it brief. There are some people, you know, that I'm gonna go pray all day. I can't do that. I can pray throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I cannot pray all day. And so here's what I do. And anyone who has ADD with me is when I'm prompted to pray, I pray immediately and for as long as I feel led. So that's what I do all day long. So like this morning I got up, got in the shower. I knew I was going to staff meeting in the shower. I have to leave the the conditioner in my hair for one to two minutes is what it says. So I'm just sitting in the shower, one to two minutes. I'm gonna be in there and I was praying for my day. And I was also confessing to God because I hurt my wife's feelings at small group. So I was like, man, God, I got a lot. I got a lot to grow on, and um, you know, and I just came across flippant and harsh, and, and I, I can do that when I'm tired and not rested, and that was lame. So I was just talking to God about that and just crying out to God, God, I, I want to be, I want to be the spiritual leader that I know people need, and I know that you've called me to be, and that's that was my prayer time. But it was one to two minutes, mm-hmm. not a long time. God heard me, 
that was the cry of my heart. That was this morning. And so I would just say, just just pray when you feel it. Pray so brief and so short. Um, you know, we were praying today uh, with a guy who's talking about giving a large donation to our church. I prayed for like 30 seconds. I think he was a little surprised about how short it was, but that's all I had. And so I don't write. Going longer than, than the words you have to say is hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. So say what you feel like you need to say. And when you're done, stop. Like I, some of my favorite prayers is when I pray with like new Christians and they don't end with amen or in Jesus name. They literally will end with this. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then everyone else, amen. Amen. That's all that you have to say. And that's when you should be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, same thing like in life, like we watch these movies and you know, you know, some people can write poems, man. I could just got to tell my wife, I really love you. You're, you're very beautiful and I'm glad to have you. That's it. That's mm-hmm. what I got. And I feel that way. And you know, I tell that to my, my girls, you're so beautiful, love you so much. Your son, my son, you're so talented. I'm so impressed with you. I don't do these big, long things because then it's fake. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just say what I, and that's how I try to relate to God is God, man, I'm gonna pray for this right now, right here. And so here's what you're gonna discover. So I know many of you are new to uh, being a Christian. So we worship one God who exists in three persons. And so what that means is God has never been alone. He's never been by himself. He's an eternal community. That's what that's what the Christian God is. That's what traditional uh, Jews reject. And that's what Muslims reject. So they all, they follow, they follow Abraham, but they divert from us with that. So if you read Genesis one, the very first chapter, it says, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness. So in the very beginning, we find out that the one God is an hour. He's a we, he's an us. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you're praying, you're praying to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here's the Holy Spirit's role. The Holy Spirit's role is to prompt you to pray. The Holy Spirit helps you pray. So the Holy Spirit will say, pray for this or pray for that. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody on my heart, I've had somebody in my mind, and it's the Holy Spirit prompting me. Mm-hmm. And so some of you as Christians, you'll feel like you need to call them, but what you're what you're not listening is is. God's not calling you to call them. He's calling you to call him. Mm. And that's what prayer is. I'm gonna pick up and I'm gonna call God and I'm gonna talk to him. And I say, God, I don't know why it is, but I got Justin on my heart. I don't know what's going on. So think about our conversation that we had like what, a month mm-hmm. ago, uh, where, where I didn't know, but you're, you're, you're um, praying about some significant changes mm-hmm. in your life. The Holy Spirit prompts me, Yeah. hey, and we have a conversation. And literally, what I say to you is probably what you were asking. You were asking God for an answer and he gave it to you through me. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, feel released to do this if you need to do something else. I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea at all <laughs> yeah. what Justin is doing. So God's praying, for, or God, sorry. Justin is praying to God for wisdom and God gives me the answer. It's mm-hmm. weird, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just God, right? And he, and he works in community. And, and here's why I believe that God does that, Justin. And I've seen him do this many times. The reason he gave me the answer you were searching for is because you trust me, maybe even more than you trust yourself in some decisions. Mm. And so sometimes God has to give the answer to somebody else mm-hmm. so that it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. And that way you know, oh, it's not me. Because mm-hmm. like I don't have I don't have your internal turmoil. Yeah. I'm removed from that. And so I'm an external nonpartisan person who says, here's what I think maybe God's saying to you. And and you received it and handled it. And like a boss didn't even wink with what you were actually thinking. <laughs> so, you know, and then a couple days later I find out, oh, that's what's going on. Yeah. So what I would say is pray for a short amount of time as you can for as many times as you can during the day. Mm-hmm. And so that's like, where here's where the rosary is right. You know, I know a lot of you guys are, are ex-Catholics or you still call yourself a Catholic, that's fine. Um, 
you know, I don't care what you call yourself, love Jesus, come to St. Louis Church, give to momentum. Um, <laughs> so here's what the rosary is right. The rosary, you know, in, in the repetition is right. That's right. But the repetition needs to be throughout the day mm-hmm. and not the same thing over and over again. Share what's ever on your heart. Like when you have kids and when your daughter learns to talk, it, mm-hmm. like at first it's super cute. And then as she just <laughs> barrages you with the same thing over and over again, it becomes annoying. Mm-hmm. And you love that kid. Like you love her, right? Um, but you, you wanna know what's on their heart. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just so you guys know, I mean, I love my kids. I am not a wealthy man, but it is the joy of my heart to give my things, give things to my kids that they really want. Mm-hmm. And I see that they need. Man, that's where, and that's where I feel like God meets us is he loves his children. And when we really want something and it's something that we need, boom, mm-hmm. he's gonna do it. So that was a long answer. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's great though. So actually on the topic of our kids, John wrote in and asked, my wife and I are always trying to grow in how we are raising our kids and pointing them to Jesus. What does prayer times look like for your family when your kids were younger and maybe not as interested? Yeah, so what I would say is you just need to, you need to create habits. Like we pray when we eat, just do that. Mm-hmm. We pray when we eat. And so um, actually my son now, cause he's the only one that's at home. He, he, he's the one that reminds us we need to pray. Mm-hmm. We need to pray before we eat. And so that's great because it, it's something that he's been raised in. So what I would do is teach them to pray. Um, a great time is when they sleep. Um, a great time is, is when they're eating. And those are just great times where we thank God and, and we ask God to bless us. And kids are really in tune, especially as they age, about being protected and watched over as they sleep. My All of my kids, like the prayer that I heard over and over again was, God, please give me good dreams or no dreams at all. <laughs> like my kids prayed that like every night because when you're a kid, bad dreams are terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't like them really it's as like an adult either. Like yeah. So uh, that, that's what I would do. We would have family share time. Um, and I can't remember, I have to ask Tammy how often we did that but we would do family share time where we sat around and, and we used to read the Bible. But the problem with that was with the varying ages, in our, it, it just didn't work. So the share time worked and, and then the prayer time. Um, but ultimately what you have to teach your kids is their relationship with God has to be their relationship with God. And you need to lead them towards that. Have you read your Bible? Have you prayed? And encourage them to do that because they can talk directly to God. And so that's what you want to lead them into. So the purpose of family devotions should be literally to lead them into a personal relationship with God. So if it feels forced, if it feels weird, mm-hmm. that's a lose-lose for kids. So, so you don't want that. Um, I think that you know time with God should be the very best. Here's what you need to do. And again, I think parents need to spend quiet times with God so that when they have a moment with their kid, they can give that wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would just say something like this. Um, like for example, we got a guy in our, our church that's moving back to India and he's really, really struggling with what to do. His family's Hindu, he's a Christian, he's not sure what to do. And, he, and, he, and so he's freaking out and he's meeting with all these people in our church. Well, none of, their, none of their advice is helping ease his anxiety. And so I said, go to First Kings and read the story of Naaman. Why? Because I've read it. Mm-hmm. And so he went and read it and he didn't get it at all, like at all. And so the story of Naaman is Naaman is an Assyrian and the Assyrians worship a pagan God, but he's come to Israel because he believes in the one true God and he goes back. And so here's what he says. He says, I'm gonna take the dirt of Israel with me. And so whenever I say my prayers and what does everyone in Assyria assume? That he's praying to the God of the Assyrians. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm not going to be doing that. So I'm going to be practicing my life as a general, as an Assyrian. But know this, Elijah, in my heart, I'm a follower of the one true God, Yahweh. Mm. And he packs his donkey full of dirt and he takes it back. 
And, um, and so that, you know, that, that was my, and so finally he got his advice and he, and the, and the words end with go in peace, mm. go in peace. God knows what's in your heart. He knows. And so you got to do that as you go back into a Hindu culture. And again, God's not calling him to leave his culture. Mm-hmm. He's calling him to leave those gods. Mm-hmm. And so they all got to figure that out. But that is a great, great story. So that's where we, we have to know scripture. We have to know it. And, and the way that I learned that was not by going to seminary. Mm-hmm. That was by reading the Bible just reading the Bible over and over and over again. And what I'm trying to do this year, because I tend to read a little too fast, I'm trying to slow down. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, so for example, I just finished the Bible again in, I think June. And so normally I would start in Genesis again, but we were in Israel and I said, you know what? I'm gonna go back to the gospels. And, I, and I'm, I'm rereading the gospels just because we were just there. And so that's really powerful for me. So, hmm. all right. Okay, Gigi says, I have an active daily prayer life, but I really struggle knowing if A, my prayers align with God's word and B, when he doesn't answer, should I stop praying for that particular thing? Okay, so first part was what? How do I know if my prayers align with God's word? Yeah, um, by by learning his word. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the only way you understand God's will is by understanding God's word. That's the only way. That's the only way. So that's what Paul, so Paul's prayer, I believe it's in Ephesians, is he prays that we will know the will of God. And, and how do we do that? By knowing his word mm-hmm. and by getting into his word. And so you, if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, you have to be a person of the word. I mean, that at some point, I mean, that's like me saying I'm married to Tammy, but we never talk, mm. right? That's ridiculous. Yeah, we have a certificate, but we don't have a relationship. So God's not interested in your baptismal certificate. He's interested in a relationship with you. And so you need to know his word so that you can discern his will. So here's what I would say. Should you stop praying for something if... That's what I would start praying for. God, should I stop praying for this? Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Shift the prayer. If you're if you're feeling like maybe you should stop, ask God. God, should I stop praying for this? And I believe God will answer that. But again, many prayers are wait. It's wait. Mm-hmm. You're not ready for the blessing. You're not ready for the miracle. You're not there yet. So God's got to get you to the place where he can bless you with whatever that is that you're asking for that's in accordance to his name. Because remember, God's a good father and he wants to give gifts to his children that they can handle. So like when you look at people who win the lottery, uh, I'm fascinated by this show um, on TV and it shows how all their lives have been destroyed Mm -hmm. because they weren't ready for the millions. Mm -hmm. They couldn't handle it. So it destroys their marriage, their kids, their life, everything is wrecked. And so sometimes, right? I'm ready, Lord. Yeah, we're asking asking God for, I hope you are, we're asking God for something that we're not ready yet and says, God says, I wanna give you that, but I gotta wait for it till you're ready for it. And so we've got to keep growing. We've got to keep, uh, trusting, keep believing, and then God will bless us. You know, um, like today, you know, when that pastor, you know, came up and spoke. So we were at Vine Life, and so um, that's the, his church. It's the building he built, and we had him talk to our staff. And, and that's the church that's about to become be of Sandals Woodcrest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, we're looking at like December, January opening. I have a meeting later today to talk about the timeline, but it's taking a little longer than we'd hoped. But that's okay, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I think God's going to do some great things there. So, and that's part of what we're raising uh, about half of the 10 million for is for that campus. So um, it's it's an amazing, amazing thing. So, and you want to be a part of it. But man, I lost my train of thought. He was talking at, to our staff today about- Yeah, he, and he was just amazed. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie, for yeah. listening. He was amazed at, you know, that we're trying to raise $10 million. He just mm-hmm. started laughing. Well, I wouldn't have done that 20 years ago, mm-hmm. but today we're trying to raise 10 million extra. And, and I believe God's going to do that. So- it's just right, but that's 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 through twenty-two years of faithfulness of listening to the call of God, and 
you know, so that's why Abraham can go up and sacrifice his son because he came to the land that God would show him. He's been following God. He's been trusting God. As long as he follows God, God's blessed him in every way, in every way. You know, um, if you know the story of him and, and his family disagreement with Lot, he, he gives Lot the choice of the best land and Lot chooses the best land. Mm -hmm. And guess who's blessed? Abraham. Abraham's blessed. Lot almost dies. His <laughs> wife does. So Abraham sees that God does great things and he trusts him. And that's what I've seen over the years is God has done great things. And I, it's amazing to me how God has protected us. He's, he's, God has covered for some of my own dumb decisions. Um, man, God, God loves Sandals Church. Mm -hmm. um, it's his church and he is blessing it. And it's just a great thing. So, yeah. So Nancy wrote in and said, when you started this sermon series, I set my alarm for 1030 and two o'clock to pray for you, your family and the church. I can easily pray for others, but I have a difficult time praying for myself because it feels selfish to me. How do I overcome this? Yeah. So I think again, the great commandment is love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Self-love is a good thing. Self-centeredness is a bad thing, but self-love is a good thing. And so you have to learn, say, God, teach me to love myself the way that you love me. Te you know, teach me that. God, teach me healthy self-love. Teach me to love myself the way Jesus loves me. And so that's what I would do is just, just know that the, the devil doesn't want you to love yourself. God wants you to learn to love yourself the way that he loves you. And if we all truly loved ourselves, we wouldn't sin. Mm -hmm. we, we wouldn't do it. I mean, there's a reason I don't put my hand in the blender in our kitchen. Cause I love myself. I love, I love me some me and I don't want that to happen, right? And so that's what sin is. Sin is that blender in our kitchen. And so we go, oh, that's not good for me because I know God loves me and I know God has a good plan for me. And so I'm going to trust God and I'm not gonna do that because I love God and God's called me to love myself and I am worthy of love, mm. right? John three sixteen. a lot of people don't think about it. What it communicates is the world as bad as it is, God considers worthy of his love. He loves us and he has chosen to bestow his love upon us. So yeah, I would encourage you to love yourself. So and just know I love you. I haven't been doing it lately. I need to finish with the, I used to say every end of every service, I love you guys because I do. And I think people need to hear that mm -hmm. because you are worthy of love. Mm. Yeah. One thing I pray for myself all the time, vast majority of those prayers though, kind of are on the benefit of other people like my yeah. wife and my children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, it's only like, I don't know, two or three times a year that I'm praying mm -hmm. for like, a blessing, you know, for really, for positive stuff that would make my life way better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that me not being a jerk or a better husband wouldn't make my life better, mm -hmm. but most of the time, and I, you know, there's probably something in there for you, Nancy, to, that you could be praying about, just even changing your relationships or your attitude that yeah. is benefit uh, mm -hmm. is benefiting other people. So Yeah, and I feel like it can benefit your relationship with God too, because God loves you and cares about you and wants to, to take care of you. So yeah, absolutely. praying to God and asking him for that and starting to see him answer that and care for you, I think it could be a really unique time for you and your relationship with God as you are praying for yeah, yourself. Yeah, I would say maybe to meditate, uh, Nancy, on Psalm 139 mm -hmm. and just spend a couple of weeks there just praying over that, meditating on that. And, and it specifically talks about how amazing God sees us. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Mm -hmm. And it's a worship song. Mm -hmm. And it's talking about how wonderful and amazing God has made us. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Our Gregory says, I feel pretty comfortable praying personally, but when I pray out loud, especially when leading others at work or even my own family, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I know the Bible says the spirit will provide words, but how can I actively improve the way I pray with others? Yeah, practice. Hmm. Hmm. You got to practice it. I mean, right. We, 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 here's the problem is when we think something spiritual, we think it'll just come with ease. 
uh, you know, uh, one of our big verses at Sandals is Luke 2.52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and men. Jesus had to learn. Mm -hmm. He had to learn. And so, um, I mean, Jesus doesn't even start his ministry until he's 30 years old. The apostle Paul gets saved and he's in the desert for 13 years. A lot of people don't realize that. You have to study the the, the linear calendar of the church to understand Paul has an encounter on, you know, on the road to Damascus, goes and is healed by um, uh, Cornelius and boom, all of a sudden, you know, he's gone for 13 years and then he's back on the stage. So we just we just have to understand that God has his own timeline and we and we have to trust him in that. And, and he's got to get us ready for what's next. So we need to practice. And so I would just tell people, hey man, I'm trying to practice praying. Would you mind if I practiced on you? And just, again, be real, mm -hmm. be absolutely real. When I did my first wedding, I said, this is my first wedding. I don't know what I'm doing. When I did my first funeral, I said, this is my first funeral. I don't know what I'm doing. When I did my first hospital visit, I said, this is my first hospital visit. I don't know what I'm doing. I, and I used to, when we first started Sandals, started Sandals Church, I used to take young, young ministers with me and say, he's practicing. We're gonna practice praying on you. We're gonna practice praying over you. And that was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. And again, what keeps us from growing is our fear of admitting we're a beginner. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And just say, hey, I, I'm new for this. Let me, let me just pray over you and, and, and pray good things, man, pray a verse. Memorize a verse and pray it over somebody. Um, you know, maybe not Tammy and I's verse of Revelation 21.8. That's rough. That's the verse that says, liars go to hell. Mm. We used to sing that to our children. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you, either of you guys know if Gateway Seminary has a location like deep in the desert or something? No. I just wonder if that's where the Apostle Paul was for 13 years getting, no. nice, nice getting <laughs> all that biblical knowledge. Yeah. Mm. Well, I feel like even what you were saying earlier of keeping things brief and being yourself when you're praying. I mean, even when you're praying with other people, like I think God wants you to be yourself even in front of other people. It's okay to be short too. Yeah. Yeah. I, prayer's not Harry Potter. Yeah. You don't have to learn Latin. You know, all those stupid things they say in that movie. And, you Expecto know, Patronum. Yeah. It's all Latin. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's all Latin. And so you don't have to learn Latin. So just just use whatever language you're the most comfortable in and speak that and God will bless it. Expelliarmus, sin. <laughs> yeah. All right. Our last question on prayer comes from Gigi who asks, last debrief, you talked about not continuing to pray for our loved ones who have lost their way or have walked away from the faith. But scripture says to pray without ceasing. So do I stop paying, praying for my wayward relatives or do I pray differently? Yeah. People always get fired up every time I make that statement. Okay. I, you know, uh, who is this from? Gigi. Gigi, love you. Thank you for the question. What I'm trying to get you to do is have a passion for God's lost children and not just your lost relatives. I think what we do is we focus on people who've clearly said no, who are clearly uninterested, and we pick the hardest cases and we ignore the people that God is prompting and putting in our way. And so uh, I'll just give you an example. Um, when Tammy and I first started the church, we bought our second house in Corona. And we moved in and there was a young couple next door to us and we just knew that God had put us together to lead them to Christ. Um, they were the same uh, ethnicity as us, two white people, young, up and coming professionals, right? I just knew that was them. Next to our house was a Mexican lady married to an older black man, much older. I think he was 25 years older than her. So um, her name was Maria. I can't remember his name, but I assumed that we were supposed to lead the couple on the left side of our house but it was the couple on the right side of our house that we were supposed to lead. And so because I was so fixated and focused on what I thought I was supposed to be praying on, I was missing out on where God was calling me. And what I didn't know is my next door neighbor was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so, and I also didn't know that Maria had found out I was a pastor and she was praying to God that I would come over and lead her husband to the Lord. 
So here's the problem. When we're totally focused on our children, when we're totally focused on our relatives, when we're totally focused on the people that we love, we, we're gonna miss the people that God is reaching. So, Gigi, there's a point in the gospels where Jesus's mother and his brothers come for him. Now, not every gospel records why they're coming for him, but Matthew records they're coming to take him home because they're afraid he's lost his mind. And they say, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are here. And Jesus says, who then is my mother and my brothers? He says, those who do the will of God, that is my family. Very controversial for uh, Middle East 2000 years ago. Um, What he's saying is his focus is on reaching the lost people of God. That's his focus. And so for us to agree with God, I think it's fine to say, God, you know, um, I want to continue to pray for these people that I love so much. God, please also give me a heart for the people that you're working in. Help me find those people. Help me find those people who are having dreams, are going through difficulties, who are having hardships. Gigi, that's how the kingdom of God grows. It doesn't grow by targeting the people who've said no. It's, it grows by targeting the people who are ready to say yes. That's who we have to find. And and I'm telling you, Christians hate it when I say this. They hate it. And it's 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 ridiculous, you know. Um, when I grew up Southern Baptist, we used to have revival preachers that would come in and they'd preach. I think it was, I don't remember if we did one week or two week revivals. And so if you know what that means, like every single night we go to church. Yeah, church. And uh, the preacher would preach. And so whenever the evangelist would come, they would always say, Take me to your hardest case. And it's like, why are why would we do that? Why wouldn't we take you to the people who are gonna say yes? Mm-hmm. And we wondered why our church didn't grow because we're not looking for the people who are looking for God. That's what we're, we're trying to meet. God, show me the people that you're searching for. Show me the people that you're working in. Show me the people that are listening to you. Let me find those people. And um, otherwise we're like Elijah. And Elijah says, everyone has turned from you, God. There's no one who follows you. And God says, I have 700 mm-hmm. that have not bowed to Baal. Elijah wasn't looking for them. He was focused on all the hard cases that weren't answering. And so, so Gigi, I, I'm just saying this, is if your prayer time for the lost only consists of the people that you love, you have yet to give Jesus your full heart. When Jesus has your full heart, you will pray for your neighbors, for your friends. When we're having invitation times at Sandals and we're calling people forward, when you have the heart of Jesus, you will be praying for those people who are about ready to make a life-changing Jesus, just like you would if it was your brother, your sister, your mom or your dad coming forward. That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. Jesus says, if you love people, only people, those who love you, you're just like Gentiles and tax collectors. Mm -hmm. It's when we begin to love and care for people that we don't know, that we're not related to, and we have a heart and a passion and a vision for them, that's when man, we have the heart of God and we care for lost people, lost people who want to be found. And so here's here's how you have to say it. So let's say, um, you know, we're all on the Titanic. And the, if you don't know the Titanic, it's a ship that sank in 1917. If you don't know what the Titanic is, just turn off this podcast. Yeah. So the Titanic sank in 1917. So let's imagine, so, so the three of us are there mm-hmm. and we got a hundred people saying, I'm not drowning, don't save me. Okay. And we got three people who are saying, help, help, help. Do we need to pray about who we rescue? No, we would automatically go to the person who's saying, help, 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 help. Yeah. What we do as Christians is we go swim over to the mob who's gonna beat us off them and say, leave me alone. I don't care. The Titanic's not even real. We're not drowning. We're not dying. Get the heck away from me. And we try to save those people. Mm-hmm. And so here's, here's the tragedy, Gigi. 
we got three people over here who are saying, help me, help me, help me, help me. And so here's what's happened. I didn't reach my neighbor. So he turned on TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, and gave his life to Christ. I came over the day the van came to pick his body up. And I said, I'm so sorry, I didn't know he was sick. And she told me I'd been praying that you would come over. And so Tammy and I invited over to our house. We ended up leading her to Christ because she didn't know Christ personally either. She became a committed member to our church for about 10 years. She worked in, uh, we used to call it uh, flip-flops for 10 years. Mm. Uh, and she's since moved away to be with her family. But, and that was all because I was focused on the people I thought God would give me. And so what everybody needs to say is, Lord, Here's what the Bible says, whenever you have the opportunity to explain why you have hope, you should be ready. So the question is, God, when do I have an opportunity? When, when do I have an opportunity? So it's like we went to New Orleans um, two years ago. New Orleans is a, is a beautiful place and it's a dark, seedy, like gross place. So on the one hand, you're looking at beautiful flowers and then you go around a corner and there's a stripper, you know, standing in a dark alley trying to get you to come in. It's just, just creepy place. You know, people having fun and people passed out drunk on the ground. And I mean, for like hours, nobody helps them. Nope. I mean, you're literally in the gutter, vomiting on yourself at like at two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And it, it just was a scary place. And so then we went by and there's this guy in a soapbox and he's screaming at everybody, you're going to hell if you don't repent. And I thought maybe a better ministry in New Orleans would be helping people who are drunk, who've been left by their alcoholic friends, helping them, cleaning them up, looking for people who are crying. I saw fights all over the place and trying to minister and, and meet people who are at a place in their life where maybe they're ready to hear. Mm -hmm. Now that doesn't mean that the soapbox preacher doesn't every now and then lead somebody to Christ. I'm just saying, I think that there's a more productive way of, of, of leading people to Christ than yelling at people. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes with our loved ones, like we've had all the conversations, so you know it's gonna go bad. You know, you know what they're gonna say, they know what you're gonna say, and you don't argue people into the kingdom of God. So what I would say, Gigi, is start praying for a fish, right? If you got a hard-headed relative, you got a hard-headed kid, pray for a fish. From the belly of the whale, Jonah prayed. From the belly of the fish. And so the fish changed Jonah's mind in his heart. And so that's what we need to pray. Say, God, I love my loved ones so much. I'm willing for you to risk their life to save their soul. That's a scary prayer. And you say, well, you, you know, you would never do that if you love someone. Well, God did it to his son for us. He didn't just risk the life of Jesus. He took the life of Jesus to save our souls. And so we need to pray for a fish, Gigi, to come into the lives of these people and say, God, shake them up. Shake them up, man. Sick the Holy Spirit on them, right? Um, so when, when you're in an airplane and it starts shaking, most people look up. So ask God to shake the plane and hope, and pray you're not on that same family trip. So that, that's what I'd say. So JJ, I'm not saying to be heartless. I'm asking you to be wise. And most Christians don't know the difference. Christians are some of the most unwise people I ever meet. We don't think critically about anything. And that's one of the reasons so many people have written us off because we don't think we're not wise. We have this get out of jail free card we call God and we just live like idiots anticipating he'll bail us out. We need to live lives, the Bible says, that is worthy of the gospel. Be mm. wise, be wise. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I'm with my relatives, I just hang out with my relatives. If there's ever an opportunity or an opening to talk about God or to talk about my faith, then I'll take it. But I believe the best gospel presentation is one that's invited, invited. Um, so the last guy I led to Christ, 
we were out to lunch together and I just said, hey, are, are you at a place in your life where you're ready to change and give your life to God? He said, yes. I said, would it be okay with you if I shared with you how to do that? Yeah. And he came, shocker, he came to Christ. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's just what I'd say. So Gigi, I understand you, you love your family. You, you care for them. Um, I love my kids. My kids are now entering into adulthood. If, if they choose to not follow Christ, um, man, that's gonna break my heart. I'm gonna pray for them, but not at the expense of forgetting Sandals Church and my spiritual family. Sandals Church is my spiritual family. That's why I read the verse, brothers and sisters, pray for me. So what did Paul say in, in that text? He said, pray for me with the love the Holy Spirit has given you. So what happens? In Christ, he takes black, white, male, female, young, old, uh, you know, Hispanic, Asian. I mean, you name it, right? He puts us together. And all of a sudden we have a love for each other like family and we pray for each other that way. That is the heart of God. We pray for each other just like we, we care about and pray for our own family. So don't stop praying for them, Gigi. I maybe would change how you pray for them, but try to have that same level of passion and intensity for lost people mm -hmm. and be ready for someone who says, I don't know what I think about this whole Jesus thing or this Christian thing, or I'm lost, or I, I don't know what my purpose is, right? right? Look for an opening and, um, you know, I mean, it, it's there. So we were in small group this week and one of our small group members um, recently connected with an old friend and, and, and she's not a believer. And he was just sharing how he connected with her for selfish reasons. And he's realizing that it was actually for God's purpose. And so now she's back in her home state and she's in a class that's specifically designed for people who are questioning God. But she came to Sandals Church with him and the whole time she's she, like, she has no category for God, but she left here haunted in a good way by God. Mm. And God is moving in her heart and challenging her and, and she's probably gonna come to Christ. And, you know, we need to look for those people who are being haunted by God so we can mm. answer that question and say, Here, here's, that, here's how, how you scratch that itch that you don't know how to scratch. Let, let me help you with that. And, and I, can, I can bring some peace to your life. So great question, Gigi. I love you. Hopefully you're not too offended. You got to tell the favorite part, my favorite part of that story about living in between the two neighbors, because didn't you try and like invite the oh, young yeah. couple to hang out with you guys uh, or something? Yeah. So we invited our, yeah, our other neighbors over and we said, we'd like to have you over for dinner sometime. And he said, we're busy. <laughs> like I didn't say like Tuesday or Thursday. He he just basically said no, not ever. And they weren't interested. They just weren't. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, if you are interested in the show, you can find all of the information in our show notes at debrief.show slash one, two, three. Exactly. Easy as Whoa. ABC. Right oh, there. I love that That's Michael right. Jackson song. Oh, so good. So good. All right. <laughs> and people. if you want to connect with us on social media, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can check us out there and share what we're doing with your friends. And you've heard Pastor Matt mention the Momentum Project. If you're curious and want to know more about that, head to sandalschurch.com slash momentum. You can learn all about that and how you can participate. And if you want to type in one of the shortest web addresses you could possibly type, type in gs.edu. Yeah, very and be short. praying for Justin's Momentum commitment this week. <laughs> Because I think that's going to either put us over the edge or we're going to be a little short. So gonna you make, need to, I'm a make it or break it kind of guy. You, you know need to what do I'm the right thing. <laughs> Pastor Matt, I was noticing today, I don't know if you did something different. Your hair looks so hair soft looks, and hydrated. Know, he left the conditioner in for one to two minutes. Yes. And it's showing. Yeah. Yeah. I got to start doing that. 